Hello and welcome to Shardcast, the Brandon Sanderson podcast. I am your host, Carrie. Joining me as usual is Eric. Hey, I'm Chaos. How's it going? David. Hey, I'm Winrunner on the forums. And Ian. Hey, I'm supposed to go before David. I'm Winrunner on the forums. I'm Carrie. Didn't feel like scrolling up to read the order in the notes again, Whatever. aka K-Chan on the forums. I was I was going by the order that you guys are in my Skype window. That works. That works. Oh, that works. Uh, we're we're recording this right after the last uh, uh, Earthbringer tour words of Brandon episode, so we're we're just gonna get more and more loopy. Yeah, there's there's Pretty a lot much. of these, you guys, and we want to make sure that you get as much of this as you possibly can, because if we enjoy it, you realize you guys are probably enjoying it, too. So, hey, cool. Yeah, we only had two fights last time between Ian and I, so let's see how many we get this time. Well, we're still with, friends. so uh, Yeah, it's good. And that's the thing with with a series like this and with a fandom like ours, where there is so much you can read into a one word answer from the author. People are going to disagree about things. People who like each other a lot and agree on 99.9 repeating percent of things are going to disagree about some stuff. That doesn't mean that we dislike each other or that we get angry at each other. We just get very passionate. And, but you know, sometimes Sometimes really good theories and really good answers come out of stuff like that and discussions like that. You know, if we agreed on everything, we wouldn't have a very interesting podcast. Right. And I would just say, if you're discussing something and a quote comes by and destroys your theory, don't worry, that's happened to me. And I've been like, there is no way that that's the case. And then someone just links the thing, usually Ian. And and then I'm like, oh, okay, well. Uh, well, this literally happened on the first tour word of Renan episode, or it's like I was adamant about the thing. Yeah, and, and, and you're like, oh, was like yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's important to take uh, people people correcting you should uh, take uh, they should criticize you with grace and just say, hey, here's this quote. But also, you should take that criticism and be like, yeah, you know, my bad. Yep, mm-hmm. like me misremembering Ruin last episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, uh, it happens. I mean, me, I, you know, we on this podcast, we get more and more like, yeah, we know exactly what's going on. Oh, oh, oh mm. well, we don't. Spoiler, just, we don't. Just it's it's just important to take uh, criticism with grace, especially when it's completely correct. And you can go to Arcanum to see if you're right or not. Generally, mm. although and it's so- t- yeah. It no, is fine ahead. to just like speculate if you just like, wouldn't it be cool? Like that's always fine. If you're not like really wanting to get into the hardcore theory crafting and you just want to say, wouldn't it be cool if Hoyt had a laser gun? You know, you can just talk about that. You don't have to, it's okay if someone comes up with a quote that says Hoyt doesn't have one to say, wouldn't it be cool though? Yeah. And at the same point, if people are making theories for fun, don't nuke them from outer space. Yeah, like, you should criticize with grace. That. Yeah. Like so. If they if they have a theory, you uh, and there's a quote that's relevant, then you can say that. But if you don't have anything relevant or nice to say, then you you don't need to say it. If you don't care about Adel and Shalon and Kaladin, you just you, you don't need to join that thread. You know, like that's totally fine. Yeah, and some debates are just not going to have answers yet because we don't have all the information yet. So, but many things do have the correct answer in the Cosmere. So, uh, it is important uh, when you do see a relevant quote to just say, "All right, well that that's that's how it is," and not be like, "I am militant about this." Like, what are you hoping to gain? I don't know. Yeah. And you We're can all- always like disagree with how much you enjoy. The canon answer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, totally. Or canon pronunciation, as we do yes. on this show. <laughs> uh, t- all those are TLDR, fun. we're all friends here. Let's act like it. Yeah. Right, exactly. And as we, we step down friends. from our soapbox, all right, yeah. move on. All right, let's <laughs> right. start fighting. Hey, like, here we go. But, I mean, this is a, it's a subject that people get passionate about. That's true. So. Yeah. That's true. We should have done oh, this absolutely. on the first one, but. <laughs> Not the third one. It's fine. It's fine. It's great. 
Um, so we're going to open up this time with the Newcastle signing. Uh, our good buddy Joe St asks, yeah. Is Ur- "Yeah, shout out to Joe. Is Urethiru genius? Yes. Is Urethiru a spaceship? <laughs> Which I would have no idea. I would have not thought to ask that, but it's actually a legitimately really good question." Um, Brandon, no, it is not. Good question. I've never been asked that before. It's very Sim City, though. Joe, it's a new theory they're thinking. Is it one of the floating cities from Brandon? Cuts him off there. From Ashen, yeah. Boy, that would be hard. It is so big. But I suppose magic, you know. But no, it's not. <laughs> I think this is literally Joe couldn't think of a question to, to ask, but remembered that people were having the, this, this I think, discussion I think so. on the Discord. Yeah, uh-huh. So it was like, that's hilarious. I'm going to ask that. Also, this is another great confirmation uh, about Ashen being Tranquin Halls. In case, mm-hmm. in case you were not sold on that, Brandon's just like, oh yeah, from Ashen? Yeah. Unless Ashen is Yolan. No. <laughs> I, I want... Why are you doing this? <laughs> um, Why are you doing to, this? To you fanfic writers out there, if anybody wants to write an AU fanfic where Urethiru is a floating city spaceship, that would be freaking awesome. Just putting that out there. I would read that. I would read that. This that just reminds me of. Did anyone else watch Stargate Atlantis? I've seen like maybe two episodes of it. Okay, because Atlantis is a city spaceship. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. All right. Where are you going with this? (laughs) I there. I always have a reason for the stuff I bring up. Usually. Um, all right, moving on to the next one we got here from Black Yeti. In Oathbringer, Kaladin sees a painting from the Court of Gods, uh, which is part of Warbreaker, if you're not aware of that, which it is claimed shows something different to every person who sees it. However, as I understand it, the returned only see things in the paintings because of their divine breath. There isn't anything intrinsically magical at the paintings themselves. What then is going on with this painting? Brandon, he, this is paraphrased here. He was very evasive here. Ultimately, he only said that not everything you see is in the painting. Hmm. Now, if we were smart, we would have gone back and actually looked up what Kaladin sees in the painting. Because mm-hmm. I do not remember. He sees the remember. figure with the nine shadows, if I recall oh, correctly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And kind of an interesting thing that I pulled up from the Warbreaker annotations that kind of speaks to this a little bit more. Uh, talking about what should be the very same painting. Uh, A well-crafted piece of art made by a person channeling the tones and connected to them via breath can speak to a returned. So Hmm. That could just be speaking to anyone who's invested, though. Mm -hmm, That's what I'm saying, I think. Yeah, like, we see a lot of parallels between um, Awakeners and... um, Not Awakeners, but uh, Returned and Radiance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and we see this with um, Ryano in the lighthouse. Kaladin mm-hmm. um, can touch the sphere and do stuff with fortune and see the future. Mm-hmm. And Ryano asks him, like, what heightening are you? Like, mm-hmm. what oh, investor that's do right. you have? Yeah, that's right. yeah. I totally forgot that. I mm-hmm. forgot that, too. That's right. Yeah. Oh, it's a big so, book. It's so easy to forget. Yeah, mm-hmm. So perhaps the the paintings can do the same thing as that sphere does in a more natural General. way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, there's like, the spheres technology. This is more esoteric. Mm-hmm. There's actually another line too, that makes it a little more obvious. It says they are abstract paintings, which light up light song, having a touch of the divine. So not even necessarily awakening is able to see and read into things that aren't necessarily there. Yeah. So. Touch of the divine is, I mean, the exactly divine what? is Aiden Alcium, which is mm-hmm. investiture, right? So yeah, yeah. it doesn't really Investiture is the very power of creation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, although it, although that's interesting in that you had to channel the iridescent tones to make such a painting? We still really don't understand what the iridescent tones are. So. Yeah, that's kind of what just led me in there. Like, I'm totally cool with, yeah, any invested person would probably see weird crap in the painting but uh how you make that painting is not Mm -hmm. clear to me well it might just be that you are someone who has a lot of breath when you're painting it because they have to have a lot to get like the shades of red right so all these painters are people who have a lot of breath well i'm kind of wondering whether there's like some weird residue from that i i don't know yeah 
I think this is going into like fundamental Cosmere mechanics that probably the iridescent tones are an application of. It's like weird human trying to understand what Mm -hmm. how the reality works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moving on to the lead signing. So at the end of Oathbringer, how aware is Odium of what Nightblood is and can do? Brennan modestly. Um, and the question follows up, taking the sheath, that kind of thing. Brandon, he knows, I would say more than modestly, he is well aware. <laughs> I would sure hope so. I, wouldn't you think Odium would be like, hey, that is a, that is a thing. Wouldn't, wouldn't Odium want such a thing? Oh, probably. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like, it seems like an interesting tool, like, at least a useful tool to have. Mm-hmm. And he absolutely would not want it, want the other side to have it. If yeah, we, right. Because there is, I know Eric asked this question, and uh-huh. we'll get into it a little later on, but are the fused destroyed by Nightblood, can they come back, or are they well, just permanently folks, gone? So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would expect that the fused would be destroyed by Nightblood, right? Mm-hmm. As would I. Yeah, like, that makes sense, so... Odium would not want that to be in the hands of uh, Team Honor, let's say. It's a really easy solution. They can just have Seth kill every single fuse when they're in the clear, you know? Well, now I'm just wondering, <laughs> Nail just very casually gave Nightblood to Zeth. He's nuts. I'm not going to put read too much into yeah. what he was doing there. No, and but at that like... point, he hadn't decided to join the singers yet. Well, oh, And he didn't yeah, know that. Okay. Odium Seth was, was going to disagree with him. Or, that was like and, an entire book ago. Like, well, yeah, and and I guess Nail didn't know that the desolation was here. Yeah, he yeah. was still lying That's, to himself. Okay, all right. Because I'm I'm just imagining if the desolation's there, then why would Nail give it to? Why wouldn't that be just so ridiculously well protected? But he didn't know that at the time. And well, he's I, he's blatantly in denial about yeah, the desolation. Right. Exactly. right yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And even so, like, he he doesn't, how to put this, he allows Seth to have his own interpretation of, of things. Like, mm-hmm. he's still willing to teach Seth, e- even though Seth is on the other side. Yeah, which is nice of him. That's going to be an awkward lesson when <laughs> Nale shows up at Earth there and he's like, what's up, guys? Just here to see Seth. Just, I just need to teach division. Then I'm out. Don't worry if we like break yeah. some stuff. I'll kill you later. Do. Don't worry. <laughs> I mean, now I'm imagining, uh, imagining him like you know the Gary Oak smell you later. Only it's kill you later. <laughs> well, that that's kind of an interesting thing in that how much <laughs> what would happen with Nail on the side of the singers. Which is in charge of Biodium. How's that going to work? I don't even know. I feel like he's going to meet Moash at some point. <laughs> I mean, I'd be down with that. Probably. They're both crazy enough. But it's just so interesting because Nail actually has a Spren. Yeah. In addition to an Honor Blade. So it's, yeah. it's just... That's all going to be super weird. Yeah, and all the highs... I don't, I don't I love wanna, that twist, you know. But. I want to see a fight scene where he's dual wielding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, being awesome. Well, I just want to see Harold's being heraldy, like truly heraldy at some point in this series. I need that to happen because they clearly have more than crappier than radiant, radiant powers, right? Like, mm. they're the heralds. Yeah. Questioner. Do all soulcasters risk turning into the element, or is it only those using the device? Brandon. All soulcasters have an affinity, but the ones using the device are locked down much more than the soulcasters who are Knights Radiant. So they're protected from being turned into... Brandon. Oh no, they... I wouldn't say protected. Protected is the wrong term, but that event... The savant hood and how it affects them and things like that is much less pronounced if you are a knight. Uh, 
questioner? Or is that counteracted by the healing as well? Brandon. Healing doesn't have to do with it because in Cosmere terms, there's nothing wrong with your body. Your spirit is actually drifting. And, and so it's not hurting you physically by what's happening with the magic. Uh, so it's not the healing, but if you have an active bond with a spren, it takes a little different path. Let's just say in simple terms, questioner, you're not losing body parts to smoke. Brandon, yes, you're not losing body parts to smoke. What time frame does it happen for the normal soulcasters then? Brandon, for the normal soulcasters it takes? I mean, you've seen it happening in the books. We're talking about a process of years, even decades, depending on the person. It happens to some. This is a different person now. Depending on how often they soul cast? Brandon, it depends on how often they soul cast, and it depends on the person. That was a long one. Yes, it was. (laughs) That is a really good one, though, because we've been talking about this quite a lot. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so I guess the, the Radiant Bond kind of mediates that and so you're not just going to be a savant mm-hmm. yeah it, it's a, i do like that he actually used the term savant here mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i'm important i'm still program. curious to see what happens to the normal soul casters who are in charge of making all that soul cast meat and what they start turning into probably because, like that's cancer yeah i bet it's not <laughs> it's bet it's not <laughs> that's the, there's cancer on rashar there it is just oh. the soul casters. I want to. I want to see what a, a radiant soul caster savant would be like. Yeah, he keeps, because like, he they, said it takes a different path. They're not losing body parts to smoke or plants or something, but something happens to them. Mm-hmm. He said. Well, he keeps referencing the books too about how like they're using dangerous amounts of stormlight without ever getting into why it's yeah. dangerous, like what that's ha- like what it's doing to them to take in that much stormlight. Well, I still think. Well, so uses that in reference to the honor blades not about the knight's radiant i believe yasna makes the mention of it as well yeah i think so too okay yeah but that i think that dangerous amounts of stormlight well wait no i I think there's a lot of instances because the one that's appearing in my brain is the one where uh oh you went to shadesmar but you didn't have enough or something uh Mm. or you had too much in the context of shadesmar but Mm -hmm. I don't know, soul casting, even we're three books in, soul casting is one of the first things, magical things that you see in Stormlight. And we still really, mm-hmm. there's a lot to explore on that one. It finally made it in the Ars Arcanum for the book. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. almost like a system that lets you turn stuff into other stuff by convincing it to become other stuff is complicated. I guess maybe that would suck if we don't get the big stuff on soul casting until Yasna's book, which is back half, you know? She's, she's about to teach Shalon how to do it, though. At least that was what I, I was getting from the ends of Oathbringer. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, like good. she did start lecturing Shalon on soul casting while yeah, shallan was good. passing out from exhaustion yes great timing um one other thing that's interesting with this quote to me is that just savanthood in general it's a spirit thing your your spirit has been warped by the magic and using it too much which mm. has but, ramifications on the physical yeah right but uh i was just thinking about say Zed healing spook mm-hmm uh, and I guess we kind of talked about it that obviously shards can manipulate a person's spiritual aspect or mm-hmm. probably easier for harmony considering all those people are made with that, those investitures, mm-hmm. but it is just an interesting thing that he healed that spiritual wound. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And it's, I don't think, I don't know if healing is necessarily the right word. Because I don't think tapping gold or regrowth would fix that when that can fix hemolurgy, like that kind of wound. This is, he's just rewriting it back to how it was. Sure. Because well, as far as the, the, the spiritual aspect fixes the damage. So. I think well, basically. It's not what... necessarily damage. That's what I'm trying to say. As far as the spirit is concerned, like it's still working fine. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Carrie, but the ahead. spirit is becoming more and more attuned to 
smoke or whatever. But I think mm-hmm. what Seiza did with Spook is more of like a debridement where he's basically using Ruin to get rid of, you know, this over-association with Tin. And then he's using uh, Preservation to re-grant the full Mistborn Hood instead. Yeah. yeah. And Lurosium literally rewrites the spirit web. That's what it does. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's not... It's just an interesting connection, because we're talking about savants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like the, 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 the Spren bond basically reroutes the... Sure. Re, it reroutes the talent tree. Well, <laughs> it, it's, it's also probably that uh, that investiture is going through two things rather than one. And kind of two spirits, maybe? One mm-hmm. of them literally being made of investiture. Right, yeah, so, yeah, which, right, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay, so... Uh, moving on to Elantris. Can Elantrian just write a- an Aeon above Nightblood and then use it forever? Use it forever? No. Uh, person. Forever is pushing it. Brandon. No, no. I mean, Nightblood would destroy an Aeon pretty quickly. It would pull power through it. Questioner. It would be like trying to put too much power through a small... Brandon? Yep, it would just rip it to shreds. You'd get a little use out of it. He would eat the very structure of it, if that makes sense. <laughs> that kind of answers our question about an Alamancer using Nightblood though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which basically just said Nightblood's trying to draw all that power and it's just gonna tear that person apart and kill them. Mm-hmm. That's that's how I'm interpreting that in the context of uh, our other quote that we had about uh, Skadrian using Nightblood. Uh, I guess, I'm just curious because he mentions like writing an Aeon, but like at least the Elantrians themselves have some level of connection, constant connection to the door with their whole glowing thing. So could they? Could an Elantrian not just use Nightblood? Like they wouldn't even need to involve an Aeon, you know? I don't think it's much though. Like, yeah, they have a connection with the door, but Nightblood's pretty high maintenance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like they might be able to for like a few seconds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They would not stronger than a vanilla human. Yeah, yeah, I would say yeah. that's probably true. Yeah. So I was just saying, like on some level, they'd probably sure. get a little more out of it. Yeah, sure, but they're they're gonna they're gonna very quickly get wrecked. But it, it's that whole idea of Vin kind of getting vaporized by all of that power. Nightblood's mm, yeah. trying to grab mm-hmm. power through preservation or from the door in this case, and the users the the Aeon's gonna get ripped up, and eventually the user's gonna get ripped up too. I'd say. Questioner, what was Seth's reasoning for following Dalinar? This is a great one for you, though. It is. From what from what we saw, he's only met Dalinar once or twice and wasn't aware he is a bondsmith. Brandon, it wasn't about being a bondsmith. It was partially about how everyone reacted to Dalinar and partially, let's see if I can explain this. Questioner, was it like cousin Brandon? Well, part of it was that, definitely part of it was what he had seen and things like this. Part of it was how everyone, like, he knew about Dalinar, right? He had found Kaladin a couple of times. My own justification for it when I was writing this, because I actually did think about this one, like Dalinar has a magnetism to him. Dalinar has a reputation. And Dalinar lived up to the reputation, and Seth was just looking for something. The reputation was in some ways more important than the man. For instance, there's a chance that that same situation that Seth would have followed Amaram, right? Fortunately, he made a better choice than <laughs> that. But anyway, your th- questioner, you're thinking about a similar feeling of the honor because obviously Dalinar is a really honorable at the end and audible. He's got the same. Seth's got the same Brandon. Yes. Yes. But at the same time, that gives it a little bit too much credit to Seth to be perfectly honest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good to know that Seth didn't really uh, think that well through really. Yeah. Yeah. And in my opinion, this is one of like the weaker parts of the end of Oathbringer is Seth's really rapid flip and everyone just kind of accepting the fact that the assassin in white is now their good buddy. And I'm hoping that will get touched on a little bit more in Stormlight 4 where people are like, are we really sure about this guy? But Yeah, I feel like part of that was the like the situation, right? Because they're like, oh, hey, a strong person on our side. Sweet, go fight for us. And then, yeah, like you like, said, are, eventually. Are you, are you mm-hmm. here to kill us? No, you're, you're fighting Fuse? Great, cool. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that they're going to need to like ask him a few questions, you know, like. I bet Navani's gonna have like an awkward like look with him in the hallway, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, because Zeth was Navani's bodyguard, and some people definitely have had issue with that, which 
yeah, I, I definitely think that should be touched on in Stormlight 4. I think that's important. Just a little bit. It yeah. still makes more sense than this guy Ricker switching sides, but whatever. Oh, snap. Yeah, that's that's a so I guess we got to put you on the stuff we liked less about Oathbringer podcast. <laughs> oh yeah, just for we, that. oh that'd be a good podcast actually. I didn't think about I that. Know, I know if you listen to our other podcasts, you would know that that was the thing that we talked about that <laughs> being a podcast. Hey, <laughs> okay. oh snap. Okay, before we tease Wendy more, he's really easy to tease. Yes. Yeah, it's true. So, do splinters require proximity to their shards? Brandon, do they require it for what? Cons- the questioner. Function, Brandon cuts him off. Function, it's very hard for most splinters to leave the realm where they were splintered. But this gets into tricky stuff because the shard mostly occupies the spiritual realm. But what do you mean by the shard? Because the <laughs> essence of the shard is in the physical realm. It's all across the cosmere and things like this. Usually once something is splintered, it is difficult for them to leave that area. So yes, the questioner. And in the system... Brandon cuts him off again. You see it with the, I would call most cognitive shadows a splinter in some ways. And you see it when Kelsier tries to leave, right? And Sven would have the same trouble, and Sion's would have the same trouble. But at the same time, is that a proximity to the shard? Kind of. Things get very wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey when you start dealing with the nature of the spiritual realm in the Cosmere. Yep. This kind of actually ties into our your theory from last episode, the last tour word of Brandon episode where to does autonomy create the aspects and just send them out into the Cosmere. Yeah. 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 That's actually really good question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this, this does relate to that. Didn't you dislike this quote Ian because of, uh, Mixing slivers and splinters. I was just thinking that, like, are they <laughs> conflating split slivers and splinters here? No, I don't think Are there slivers? There's there no mention slivers. of slivers here. No, but Kelsier is mentioned as a sliver, right? Oh, he is a sliver. He is a sliver. That's because he held preservation, not because yes. he's a co- cognitive shadow. So, is he a sliver and a splinter? Yes. And do splinters exist in other forms than just the broken fragments of a shard? according to this yes oh yeah okay i see what you're saying yeah i think most dead slivers are probably splinters if they're still sticking around yeah yeah that could probably apply but i have no issues with this yeah i guess maybe maybe we need to get like uh some better definitions. Yeah, some better definitions, because I think our definitions of sliver and splinter are well over five years old at this point. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five to seven years old. It's like I have an issue with the Stormfather claiming to be a sliver, because in my opinion, he shouldn't be. He's got Tanifast in there somewhere. Yeah. And it's, I'm pretty sure Brendan has said, like, oh, the Stormfather doesn't know the correct term, so like, just ignore that. And like, why no, that's a bad answer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what we said about disagreeing with the canon answer? Right there, you go. <laughs> yeah, I guess my question with this one, like reading it, is if he's saying that it's not the shard itself that's causing the splinters to have trouble moving from where they were splintered, because you know it's it just says where's it? Let's see. But does but at the same time, does it, is that a proximity to the shard? Kind of like why, if it's not a proximity to the shard, why do they have trouble moving? You know, since he's saying they're all connected. Uh, well, it it's the problem of uh, Kelsier can't move because he's a cognitive shadow, uh, made up of Skadrian stuff, and so it's hard to leave Skadrial. I guess I can uh, accept that, but like, and he's like well magic too, though. Like, I don't even know well, what yeah, Kelsier right. is. Yeah, but. Well, it would also be difficult for a shard to leave, too. Because they are stuck. I wonder if that's more it, that they've invested themselves in the planet so much. Yeah. Yeah, right. right. They're similarly tied. Somewhere it says that investiture gets stuck in places easily. Okay, that would make more sense then. Move. Once Mm -hmm. once it sticks around in a while, 
it it's hard to move on. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's it's tied to location a lot, I think. Sort of. I don't know. Moving on. My turn? Yes. I think. Questioner. Can a shard go to a planet, create an autonomous splinter, then leave the system of the planet, and then inaudible? Brandon. Yes, that's possible. In fact, that's happened. You've seen that happen. Well, yes, we have with autonomy. I was going to say, there's our answer about autonomy. Well, yeah, but uh, even more explicitly to me, Brandon said it was autonomy. I like the the questioner who decided to use the word autonomous in their question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I yeah. You've got to be good, intentional or not? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. You, you got to slip that in there. Yeah, I, I totally think that was accidental, but hilarious in hindsight. I don't know. Some some of our questioners, they're they're very sneaky. I'm very sneaky, or at least you I have to be. be. You have to be with certain subject matter. And then Brandon just says, "Pachti's a shard." I'm like, oh, oh. Occasionally he decides he wants to say something, and you're just like, okay. Sometimes on this tour, Brandon's like, I want to tell a thing. Yeah, now's time. <laughs> I love the, I love the just the complete stunned silence. I know, too. I know. Like, you... was, this is good. He's yeah. was... so good. Brandon dropping fir- bombs on us. I'll make sure uh, that that one is directly linked so everyone can listen to that stunned silence. Um, so yeah, not, not really much more to say about that one, I think. So we have Megasif asking, in London, I wanted to ask about Nightblood. The way he is invested, is that a one-off case kind of thing? Or is it possible to do another of that level? Brandon, it was really bizarre. And I will explain it eventually. That will let you know why. It's theoretically possible to do almost anything. So it's theoretically possible to do what he did, but it'd be very hard. I'm glad Anything's he will possible. eventually explain it. <laughs> yeah, well, all these theoretically possible questions. Brandon's probably like, oh, I mean, you know, we have shards. Yeah. They can do lots of things. I mean, we could probably yeah. make it happen somehow. Yeah. yeah, Brandon has previously said, like, theoretically anything is possible. Yeah. But not everything is plausible. <laughs> yeah. And this just goes into reinforcing the idea that what happened with Nightblood was weird. Yeah. yeah. That's a podcast. And has been. That's another <laughs> podcast. Because we've yeah, already yeah, had yeah, that yeah. podcast. No, that, that's, no that's, that's the meme. God. Yes. I, you're ruining the meme, Ian. <laughs> I'm taking the meme to another level, Eric. Okay. All right. Um, this is from Oathbringer Glasgow. Is that how you say it? Glasgow. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say it again. This is from Oathbringer Glasgow. Uh, questioner. Shallan's personas, how would they be viewed in the spiritual realm? Would they be an individual, or would they be seen as being slightly separate? Brandon, they would be seen as an individual. Now, what I think Brandon is trying to say here is that Shallan is an individual. The personas are Shallan. They are mm-hmm. not distinct entities. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just uh, weird to think about any, how anything is viewed in the spiritual, which... Like, what? Yeah. Shalon is Shalon, Vale is Shalon, Radiant is Shalon. Shalon is the primary identity. <laughs> oh, wait. David, I think you need to read this one. We need to break it. Yeah, here we go. Okay, I'll do it. <laughs> I this will is, reluctantly read it. Questioner. When Skybreakers are about to decide to follow Dawn Singers, why now? Why not before? <laughs> Brandon Sanderson. So this is a little complicated. Until they came back by Nolly's interpretation, then the law of the land was human. When they returned, the law of the land became Donsinger. And at that point, it was his job to switch to them. It is his logic, but you don't have to agree with that logic. Because Nolly's logic is maybe not the best. Agreed. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I, I... I don't know if there's anything much... I don't have anything else to say on that. Well, like, yeah, it's there are ten orders of knights radiant. Mm-hmm. There are every radiant has a different perception of what is honorable. Mm-hmm. So this just ties into that. So in Nale's mind, that is the honorable thing to do. Like this was their land. We have to follow them now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but isn't the question is why didn't that happen in 
any desolation. He's crazy because Dale is crazy now, and it okay, actually makes right. sense to him. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, all right. Yeah. I I'll accept that. I'll accept mm-hmm. that answer. Yeah, my biggest problem is really more like the skybreakers themselves and how they're all just like not as crazy, but just so willing to go along with it. Plus the high spren who well, are also been bound to nail some of them, not them all. Well, not, yeah, not that's true. Like he's I'm also sure a herald that like, oh, he he is a herald. We must do what he says. Yeah. Don't pay attention to the fact that it makes no sense. But I think the point is that it does make a sort of sense. Whether or not you agree with it is another matter. Mm-hmm. Over mm. 4,500 years, he would have gotten more crazy, and then, ah, uh, they came back, yeah. so now's the time. Mm-hmm. Suppose with the high spread. I think they should have better judgment, but... The s- well, but they're we... also spread. They don't have the same view of morality as we, uh, as humans would. But I assume they don't want to be wiped off out of Shadesmar by Odium's spread. It's really... Maybe I was, they I was assuming like it a... as... Maybe they rationalize it as, this is how we... That won't happen. Oh, Okay. Fine. I am so yes. happy with the twist now, Eric. It's my favorite. No, I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> no, like, no, I'm like just the friend really could totally. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, maybe. But they were helping Yasna and Shadesmart and telling her about all the things that happened in the past desolation. She yeah, went to the high school. That was before the Everstone storm happened. I will. I just think it's I will that reserve Bren have a very different perception of things than a human would. I think we need to see. Hi, Spren, in action and actually talk to them so we can actually see their opinion on it. Yeah, slash find out where Seth's Hi, Spren is. And I mean, we definitely gotta see that, right? We totally have to. Okay, next question from Hoidenalsium, who has an awesome name that I always (laughs) get saying. Is the sapphire in the white gold blade specifically for Yezrian? Brandon, uh, yes. Hoidenalsium. Do the gems swap out, or are there different weapons? I'll wrap with that one. Are they Dawn Shards, or Blades of Odium like Honor Blades? Those are not Dawn Shards. Good question. Aha, I think it's know. important that he did not respond to Blades of Odium. That's, I mean, that's true. Mm-hmm. Because we, that's we probably are... Odium's god metal. Yeah, yeah that, that's what we were thinking before, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, not Dawn Shards, that's good. We know yeah. a thing that Dawn Shards aren't. Yeah, just, we'll just eliminate all the possibilities. Just a billion we'll more left there. to go. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll get there. And then uh, from Oathbringer Edinburgh, Edinburgh. Okay. <laughs> it's not yep. Edinburgh. It's Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Okay. Questioner. <laughs> so you know the sparring guards for the Shardblade plan uh, for the Shardblade training, the guards they put on the Shardblades. Are they made of aluminum, Brandon? So they are not. Peter will not let me make them out of aluminum. He's my continuity editor, and he keeps me honest. I tried to get them to be aluminum, but there are reasons why they can't be. So we had to make them their own weird little thing, unfortunately. But you could make a sheath out of aluminum for a shard blade that would work. He keeps me honest, so it's good. But I did try to fit them in that way. I wonder what reasons are here. Well, I think... Um, Peter's point is that shard blades, aluminum shouldn't block shard blades or something. Because, like, whether or not shard blades could cut aluminum was a point of contention ah. between Brandon and Peter for a while. Yes. Mm. And I well, don't and... quite remember where they fell on that. But he said a sheath for one would work. Yeah, it does block it. And Seth's sheath blocked a shard blade. But I know, like, um, on Skadriel. In Arrow 1, aluminum was really rare because of the processes needed to refine it into a usable form. So maybe right. there's something to do with that on Roshar. Well, they can only soul cast it, it has been said previously, slash mist that it fell from the sky. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering if... Yeah. The, the, the whole knife blood sheath issue. Like, n- aluminum, not very strong. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean... I'm glad they're not made of aluminum, though, because aluminum would not naturally meld itself to the shape of any blade it was put against. (laughs) That's true. That's another very good problem. That uh, it has to be magical, kind of. Mm. Um, So, from Salt Lake City Holiday. Yay, the one I was at. Yay. Uh, We have Questioner. So, Void Bringing is... 
void or binding. void binding rather void binding is one part of void binding is seeing the future and ADM is also seeing the future. I noticed annotations for Elantris. You said something about seeing the future could go weird. Sends, sends assassins. Is that a running Brandon? It is a running theme in the Cosmere and it's whatever path you do take to do it is dangerous in the Cosmere. It's kind of a sign of you are in dangerous territory and drawing upon a shard that is questioner potentially Brandon potentially. Yes. I mean to say dangerous territory. That's true. Wern, Wern does have this notion of seeing into the future, and that's not really necessarily a good thing. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, I wonder, here's a question. If Hoyd's saying, do not trust anyone who claims to see the future, mm-hmm. would he say that to anyone on any planet? Well, I'm I think this is sort of like nice. the do not trust anyone pierced by metal. That yeah, it could not be a big deal, but if it's a if it's a hemorrhagic spike, that is a big deal. So you kind of just apply that to anybody pierced by metal. It's just like mm-hmm. that. Like people claiming to the future could be very bad. It might be an okay thing, but it could be very bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of me is wondering too. Like reading this and recalling like way long ago, Brandon saying that people who have access to future sight and precognition are usually drawing upon like a shard's essence, like fairly right. directly. Right. Is I'm wondering if you are potentially opening yourself up to some sort of influence from a shard by seeing the future. And yeah. you're not necessarily like, like unknowing of like what that could do to you or like you could potentially be inadvertently an agent of something that you are not aware of. Yeah. It's also future sight works by reading the spiritual realm. And that is a very dangerous thing to do as a human. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the only reason that Kelsier was sort of okay was because his brain is kind of broken to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, like, it could easily just shatter your brain and leave you a hmm. drooling Like in a it. mess, yeah. Well, I'm just always thinking about... But it about... doesn't make you dangerous to others, though, is the only thing. It's dangerous That's to true. you. Well, I, I think that's what this quote's saying, but I'm, I just always am coming back to the reason. Why is Future Sight really bad? It's a Vodium. Okay, but like, I don't know. I think there's something there, and I'm just wondering if... I'm just wondering if Hoyd uh, would fear that on any place, or is it more a fear on Roshar... Because he's worried about uh, if you use future sight, then you opened yourself up to odium, and there maybe was some weird manipulations. There. Mm, well, maybe. there's there's also the fact that I mean, the books show us that even with future sight, the future is not absolute. When you're right. burning adium, and somebody else is burning it too, you get the infinite shadows yeah, because right. you're changing in response to each other. Yep. Mm-hmm. We see with the sequence with Renarin where he's watching the future, and as the future as events unfold, it changes because of different choices people make. So if you have a vision that, you know, I have a vision that Eric, you're going to send an assassin after me. And so I have an assassin kill you, but spoiler, you changed your mind at the last second and you were going to help me on my quest. Now I just screwed myself over. Mm -hmm. That's true too. You you are playing with possibilities instead of true, like, What's Absolute actually happening? Things. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, t- um, in the last vision in Bay of Kings, honor is like looking to the future is like a shattered window, and the further yeah, out right. you look, the more pieces it's in, pieces it's in. I just Hoyd was very firm about this. Very it, firm. That was a scary moment. Yeah, or he or he was pretty serious. He was very serious. It's not just like ah, you know, the seeing those different possibilities is kind of hard. Like I don't know, there's something there. Mm-hmm. Questioner: When Marsh and Sazed go to the conventicle of Sir, of Saran, Marsh kind of tells Sazed, "You go do whatever you want. I gotta go do something. I'll be back." What was Marsh's purpose there? Why was he there? Brandon, I need to do some Marsh stuff from his viewpoint eventually. I don't know if I'll ever get to it. There is actually something there. There is something that I intend to leave a place for me to play with later on. 
So the answer is a RAFO, but a legitimate RAFO, not a, I'm trying to lead you on, or I don't feel like answering this right now, which is a oh. good explanation of what a RAFO is as well. <laughs> <laughs> or the, the different types. kinds of a RAFO. Yeah, the various types of RAFOs. Yeah. Uh, so this what do you is think probably there? a secret, secret history, history to sort of deal. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, what, what do you think's there? That's kind of what I'm just thinking about right now. Gross, scary Inquisitor stuff. Pretty much. Because at this point, Marsh is already starting to fall under the sway of ruin, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Because oh, by the end of the book, he's attacking Seisade. So, like, he must already be, at least be... Not, he won't be directly under it. his influence, but yeah. Ruin's working on it, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm really curious to... That's kind of cool. I'd love to see more from the Inquisitors because I felt like the first Mistborn Secret History, we kind of got like a little, there's more to them when they were like, you know, putting their, the corpse of the fallen one, Car or whatever his name was, into the pool. Like they've got yeah, some rituals. They, yeah. They've got some like beliefs and stuff and like their own thing going on. Oh, yeah. Give me, give me Inquisitor and Steel Ministry rituals, right, Carrie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Give me that. <laughs> all Give of me us, all of all of this minutia. All of the MBI people yes. constantly badgering Brandon for random details. Oh yeah, that are like very specific on Arrow One, and Brandon's like, I don't know, I wrote this a decade ago. I have no idea <laughs> anymore. That'd be great. So, this next question was: I was wondering if this, if Sleepless, the Dissianamians, if they could hold a shard. Brandon, could Sleepless hold a shard? Could they be a vessel? Is that what you're asking? Uh, there's nothing innate about the shards that prevents anyone with a... I have to phrase this very carefully. Non-humans can be vessels. Non-humans have been vessels. Certain sapient creatures in the Cosmere could not be. But that's an asterisk, not the rule. Huh. Interesting. Crazy. Uh, I'm wondering what sapient creatures could not be are we like referring to chondra because they're spiked and that would just kind of be weird i was thinking I constructs think like so spren or seons yeah like i don't think spren or seons could because like they're sure. investiture brendan has previously sure, yeah, like yeah. it's like can electricity break up an electric charge in reference to like a, sh- a spren taking up a shard it's like it doesn't okay. really work that way okay that's probably the easiest explanation, but I'm wondering if there's another race or it's as easy as that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think By there's the way, enough wiggle room that it could go either way based on Brendan's answer here. Yeah, but it, it's it's very interesting there. Um, one thing I asked Brandon at the signing was uh, if Sleepless could be ha- have they been Radiance before? And he just raffled me. So I can't stop that debate, unfortunately. He does not want to talk about them very much. No, especially not to me in particular. (laughs) It's like he knows. It's because they have the Dawn Shards and Amia. Every single one of those crabs is actually a Dawn Shard. That's right. That's right. Every Every single single one of them. Except for the one that's different. (laughs) That's right. We're on the last signing. You oh guys. my god! Because I'm getting really hungry. <laughs> I know. Me too. Me too. I'm really hungry. Uh, this is our Orum signing. We're almost to 2018. Orange Jedi. In Bands of Morning, Hoyd says he technically owns the place of the mansion. Is he referring to the mansion or Skadriel or something else? Brandon. He's referring to the mansion itself. Which is a just nice now we kind of know what hoyd was talking about because there was a long point where people are like oh yeah hoyd owns schedule like oh of course i totally didn't even remember that this was a thing and so i'm looking at this like okay it was a thing Mm, okay all right oh that's good well now you know i don't know why hoyd still don't know why yeah or why he thinks he owns it yeah yeah um um so do 
do I have to read this next one? No, we can skip it. We get to okay. this one. It's not a very good one. Yeah. Um, we, we know we know this already. We already answered that one. Um, yep. Somebody basically asking a repeat question, so we're skipping it. Yep. Um, Joy Blue, the Pachi Lake. Theoretically, could an ABR fly into the lake on its own and enter the cognitive realm? Like, have a bird catcher on the other side waiting for the bird to fly <laughs> in and catch it? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. Brandon, theoretically, I'm going to raffo that, but it's not a big raffo. It's more along the lines of, I'm going to get into the mechanics of how things go through shard pools in future books. Um, what you just described is not outside of reason. Joy Blue. And could also one of the grubs or one of the parasites or the rotten fruit, whatever, could that have fallen through the lake? Brandon, that is plausible. The question is, once it gets to be a non-sentient thing, how does going through the uh, to the realms work? And that's where it starts to get, that's where you start to get your asterisk. Like just a piece of the fruit falling. I'm going to asterisk that one. Uh, one quick quick note about terminology uh shard pools is one of those old terminology things that we talked about that really we should just be calling them perpendicularities but yeah. you know well not all perpendicularities yeah we could just say a perpendicular that takes the form of a pool like a shard pool like it's, it's less of a useful term in my mind now as well eric that we have like a real yeah. name for a perpendicular but brandon has like say. it he it's a term brandon has said he's adopted even though it started with the fandom so ah. Uh, but I mean, I, I would like to see more about perpendicularities there. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying to imagine like why a bird would fly directly into the lake unless it like knew there was something <laughs> on the other side, but some look, of the, those birds are smart, man. Yeah, they're some not of falcons. The fruit, some of the fruit just fermented and they thought it was the sky. <laughs> I'm really hungry. Why are all these beads here? I don't know. And then it just flies up into the weird sun and dies. That, that's how. Well, that's how the sixth story starts. He's chasing a bird through the pool, the one that Bran's going to write. Right, and he'll just end right. up in Shade's right. and He'll be like, oh, man. That's right. That's exactly what's going to happen, David. Yeah. yeah I'm glad you. Yeah. Yep. I figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Uh, the next one. Question. When a shard vessel dies and they've held a shard for a thousand years, how much do they remember about what they've done? Brandon. Depends on the shard. Usually everything or most everything. It is not implausible that there are shards that don't want to remember certain things. They have a large and vast mental capacity and audible of remembering things. Questioner, would Ruin be one that would be more likely to want to forget? Brandon, I think all of them would have things they might want to forget. It depends on whose personality would be more likely to make that happen. Huh. This is not a thing I considered thinking about mm-hmm. how much of uh because like, 80 you know he's there mm-hmm. uh at the end uh yeah. the cor- the corpse is there but in the other realms you know he he appears there once he dies mm-hmm. well but what this kind of like drew my mind back to is i remember one of the thoughts you know when i say Ati, but when he's when he wakes up and he says vax so yeah. people thought he might that might have been his last memory of where he was, and he's like, Oh, where am I? This doesn't look like facts, but that doesn't seem like it would be the case now. Yeah, because he would have to be Yolish, right? Well, yeah, the shard no, on I'm just saying like but like he went to Vax at some point, and at that point his memory ceased. Like that's when he started losing his thoughts, like his memory. And that his most recent memory was of him on Vax. Because at this point we just don't even know why he's referring to Vax. Well, yeah, Vax is a that, that's a that's can, a of can of worms. Yeah. That is a can of worms. Um, okay. Yeah. But like, it's interesting that they would just. It's good that they would remember everything or most everything, but just have regrets about it. So I don't. Mm. I don't know if you know. Ruin would have forgotten things. We don't really know why he's talking about Vax. That's what I'm saying. Is that it kind of discounts that Vax was his last memory now, since we know he probably remember most things. Right. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't make sense. They they have that uh, extra capacity, and that's not just going to go away. I, I if for some reason a shard died and they were in the cognitive and were then made into a cognitive shadow and stuck around. Well, at that point, they could be a cognitive shadow if they wanted to be. I think. Yeah. Well, I don't know if that's. Oh, I agree. They, they're slivers, so. 
Like, I think they'd be able to stick around. Yeah, because yeah. Kelsey is like, oh, Vin, you don't have to leave me. Like, you've held mm-hmm. the shard. Like, yeah. you can stay if you want. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Although she had done the well, too. Oh, yeah. that's true. Yeah. But I'm pretty I'm sure. I'm wondering, in that case, where a dead shard sticks around as a shadow. Yeah. Would they eventually start to forget things because they lost that capacity to like process all that? That's what I'm wondering too. Because there's no I way they can the remember yes. everything that they ever experienced. Because that's. I now want to. I I want a fanfic now where a dead vessel is following around the new vessel of their shard and telling them all the things they're doing wrong about being backseat, that shard. Ba- backseat oh, yeah. sharding. Yeah. Backseat sharding. Oh, that's good. But I, I think the answer has got to be yes to eventually like, yeah, I forgot that detail of that thing. And mm-hmm. I get, I remember the general gist. Yeah, at least broad no. strokes. I'm sure they'll remember most of it. Yeah, because there's still that thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So next question. Hypothetically speaking, if some of the main radiants were to die at the end of book five, go to Braze, <laughs> and then spend the time in between five and six there, would they age? Brandon. There are lots of problems with that question. Yes. yes. Good. If a radiant dies, they don't go to Braze. A herald would, but a herald is a cognitive shadow, so there's an inherent problems in there. When you're a cognitive shadow, aging is different there because you're basically a ghost. Even if you've been stable to a body, it happens weirdly. So there's all kinds of flaws in that question. Where that person so, fell? Uh... So there's been lots of theories about Radiance maybe going to Braze and lots of weirdness about the Rosharan afterlife and people mm. thinking that it's just broken. Yeah. I know at least Feather had a pretty solid theory, but it's it has been started getting treated more like fact that I've noticed. I know, and I don't yeah. I I do not like that. Like that that's where this questioner is coming from, and Brandon's just like, they don't go to Braze. What what? So I don't really subscribe that there's something fundamentally wrong with the Roshar in Afterlife other than you know the Heralds and the Fused mm-hmm. um it's it's kind of interesting that uh well I guess he says you're basically a ghost but you're still stapled to a body so it's not that the Herald spirits are removed from their bodies or something weird. Yeah. I wonder, he says so. that aging is weird even if you're put back into a body, though. So I'm curious, like, how aging even does work once you're, you know, once you've reincarnated. Like, is that just the reason the Heralds are ageless? Because yeah, that's just how they were set up. Yeah, I think it's just their cognitive shadowness, yeah. Yeah. But he says it happens oh. weirdly, not that it doesn't happen. So, like... It wouldn't be for sure, for sure. Like, it's, it's Kelsier age now with his one eye spike. Well, define aging. Like, that's... What, what does aging mean? Physically when... grow older is what I'm referring to in this context. But oh, okay, sure. I Well... The returned are cognitive shadows. Mm. They can affect their physical form. Mm. That we know that if you have the royal locks, you have a fragment of a divine breath inside you, and you can also affect your physical form, including making yourself seem older or younger. Mm-hmm. So it might be like, you can just control how old your body is, and that's why aging is weird. Mm-hmm. Because you could technically age in reverse if you wanted. Yeah. Huh. Questioner. If given the opportunity, which shard would Kelsier want to punch next? <laughs> Brandon, you'd find it really fun to punch Honor. Really fun. <laughs> yeah, I always love it when there are some amusing words of Brandon. Yes, the fun questions. Well, you never thought Kelsier was going to punch a shard. Before Until Secret he did. Let alone yeah. two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I wonder why Honor though. That really is um, that. That does make me curious why it would be that one. But. He probably sees Honor as having a giant stick in a certain place. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, I'm gonna go with that. <laughs> that is just ir- irreconcilable personality differences. Uh-huh. 
Um, so this is a good one. I like this one a lot. Was it moral for Adolin to kill Sadius? Which morality scheme are you referring to? Asked Brandon or looking for. Questioner, yours, your personal morality. Brandon, my personal morality. It depends on the day. That one's on a line. I would say yes. There's a little bit of, there's enough chaotic good in me. I would generally <laughs> That's interesting. Put, I would generally put myself in a neutral good, but there's enough chaotic good in me to say, yeah, that guy asked for it. He betrayed you. He was threatening your family. I would side on Adolin's side, I think. Which I was not expecting. I was, Brandon, yeah. Yeah. Answer. Well, I mean, yeah. you usually think lawful good, right? But I like how Brandon is just like, yeah, I'm neutral good. <laughs> not not lawful or chaotic, yeah. but there, there's some chaotic in me. Now, I think not all of our listeners may be familiar with this. Oh, that's true. Yeah. This is referring to the alignment system from Dungeons and Dragons, where there are two axes, um, good and evil, and then law lawful and chaotic so it's yeah but that that's i don't know that that speaks to a lot of brandon that we we don't get to see too much mm-hmm. yeah uh all righty i would uh, also agree oh. with brandon here that i like, agree yeah i mean yeah uh, i mean i'm not a good person so don't don't take my morality i'm taking up ruin i'm or odium. I'm tra- transforming this realm substantially, so yeah. I'm not a good moral compass. Here, like but. I'm, I'm not chaotic enough that I would take up the knife myself. Uh, um, yeah. But I would watch Adolin do it and be like, "Yeah, Thank you me. know, I'm, I'm not gonna turn you in for that." I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, that guy, definitely had it coming. Yeah. For sure. I, uh, all right. Last one, you uh, guys. Last one. Oh, yeah. We did it. Nearly. Nearly. Uh, questioner. Did Harmony give Iron Eyes full Mistborn powers or anything other than what he has with his spikes? Brandon. Just what he has with the spikes, I believe. No. Okay, let's say this. Harmony did not do anything. That doesn't mean Marsh hasn't done anything himself. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, I don't think after Ruin was done with marsh and after marsh was done with himself says didn't need to do any more to him yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah one of one of my questions i still have about marsh that kind of ties back to earlier is why he had that ferrochemical aging spike which we still don't know anything about so that allows him to do his compounding to actually make that function um well we don't know what the lynch spins what the linchpin spike was made out of. But I believe a theory was that it wasn't Adium spike. There's that it was. Okay. See, I always well, that was the theory. Mm-hmm. My interpretation, and I could be missing things, I could be misreading things, but my interpretation was after finding out about the Lord Ruler's methods, Marsh did that to himself specifically so he could use his connection to Ruin to be an agent of Sazen. I I think, if I recall correctly from the quote, I'll have to like look it up and I could be wrong, that Marsh was not the only one that there were reasons Ruin wanted them to have this spike. Okay. Like maybe he oh. wanted an immortal police force or something? Yeah, well, I was thinking, like, agents he could, like, use for another eventual conquest, if that's what Ruin's next goal was, but I'm still curious about why it was. Well, I suppose that he wouldn't want his Inquisitors to die of old age. Like, yeah, he could reuse his spikes, but they would become less powerful. Yeah, and as long as these spike holders are alive, the better. As long (laughs) as the the longer the pin cushions stick around, the better. Pretty Mm -hmm. much. I mean... I, wow, that that just made me think about uh, what happened if Ruin would win. I mean, yeah, you would probably want to keep your kick-ass Inquisitors mm-hmm. uh, around, and you destroy something else. He's he's totally fine leaving some things to stay alive if they'll destroy more later. That'd right? be a good question. So probably keep them. Would be what would that Ruin's would next question. move have been if he had defeated preservation? Yeah. Huh. yeah, that's an excellent question. Well, I mean. Didn't he technically defeat preservation? He did. He defeated well, Laros at least. Yeah, <laughs> that that is certainly true. But he defeated preservation once. Once, yeah. Preservation, yeah. It's not a. He, he lost didn't in the defeat end, preservation enough. 
Yeah. <laughs> some, some clever thinking with that adium. But speaking of good questions, you can always go to the forums and brainstorm questions to ask Brandon. Uh, and on or the Discord. Discord. Yeah, yep. which is always a really good idea to do. Uh, or so if you're... If you're going to a siding and you can't think of anything good that you want to ask, head to the forums because there are lists. There are. That's mm-hmm. certainly true. We did it. We did. Finally. Yes. It only Guys. took, I don't know. Many uh, hours. Two many and a half hours. hours just well, on it was the like two alone. hours of, yeah, that was like two hours of recording the other time. So that was great. <laughs> we did it. We so did it. Right. I hope you've enjoyed these. Hopefully. If not, your fun is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no. We had a good time. Uh, please feel free to comment. Yes, we, we really like reading you guys' feedback. We like hearing about hearing what our listeners think of the shows. We like your yes. ideas. Yep. I think we're all going to fall asleep yes. after we... <laughs> Stop doing this. So, of course, uh, give us a follow on 17thshard.com to get all of your Brandon Sanderson news, not just podcasts. Um, Also, Facebook, SoundCloud, Twitter, and YouTube.com slash 17thshard. I think it's slash user slash 17thshard. (laughs) Okay. That's just just what it is. If you're typing it out. If you click on the subscription feed, it, it... clicks uh, to an alpha a long alphanumeric uh string that's the channel link it do- doesn't make any sense yes what? let me just read that that string for you right now <laughs> well, how about we don't do that and we go get food <laughs> all right guys as always we will see you next time for more shardcast goodness Bye-bye. bye bye